You're listening to the Beauty Brain Show, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry. the beauty brains where cosmetic chemists answer your beauty questions i am cosmetic chemist extraordinaire as people say perry romanowski and with me as always our uh, co-host <laughs> co-founder randy schuler hey randy hey, co-founder i actually like that if i have to be co-something i'll, I'll go with founder I, I think i saw your name quoted in allure and they called you the co-founder i do like that as a title i'm having new business cards printed up yeah you get to be in allure a lot <laughs> I- it just they show me the love what can i say yeah well i i was just working with a reporter from the dr oz magazine so oh. look for that excellent <laughs> hey we got a really big show today lots of beauty questions since we had a little time off we have a, a few more questions so we're going to go through a lot of beauty questions and though we'll do a little less science news as than we usually do okay um but but first, I have to say I'm I'm a little distracted right now. So if you if you see me trail off a little bit during the show, it's because of this distraction out Okay, there. what's that? All right. Well, in my backyard, I have my Christmas tree, right? Um I'm sorry, it's February. <laughs> yeah, well, see what happens is I go cut down a tree, mm-hmm. a live tree, put it in my house, okay. and we keep it up until like after New Year's. Okay. And instead of just throwing it in the garbage, I put it in my backyard because I have these birds that'll come and fly and they'll use the tree. And I feel like I'm doing something for the environment by recycling the tree in that way. Okay. So I feed the I feed the birds. Love the, I love the birds. But now I've got a new guy coming by and eating the bird food. It's not a squirrel. Okay. It's uh, it's a little guy I call Ratskelnikov. <laughs> and when I say little, it's not little. This is the size of a squirrel. This 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 rat. And I've for, so so I put this uh, I put this trap out there to get him. It's, it's supposed to electrocute him and kill him. <laughs> you have a, some sort of rat electrocution device in your backyard Sorry. near your Christmas tree. No, I did. I mean, I felt bad about it. But, you know, my wife is not a fan of the rat. I mean, I kind of think he's kind of cute, but, you know, you can't have rats around your garage or whatever. So so I put this trap out. He has no interest in it. Mm-hmm. And then I start feeling bad about trying to kill him. So I I got a bucket. I went to YouTube, and I found these humane rat traps, right? <laughs> okay. Which is a bucket. You, you make it with a bucket, a coat hanger, and a plastic bottle, and you put some peanut butter on it. And the rat's supposed to walk up and then fall into the bucket. Okay. <laughs> but... Then the squirrels come by and they eat all the peanut butter. <laughs> so you got a bucket full of squirrels? I uh, know the squirrels just get out. I got the rat sitting next to it, just eating the bird feed. I got pigeons coming around. I got squirrels. You know, squirrels and rats don't like each other. Ah, so anyway, it's a little distracting, but let's uh, not be distracted any longer. <laughs> let's get <laughs> to beauty news. I, I don't think I can do anything at this point. <laughs> Hey, Randy, during the holiday season, I was on the market for a new alarm clock. Yeah. You know, mostly I wanted to get one where I could plug my phone in so I could listen to great podcasts like the Beauty Brains while, <laughs> while I sleep. <laughs> anyway, while looking for one, I stumbled on this product called Sensor Wake Alarm Clock. Hmm. So it's this alarm clock that wakes you up by diffusing a burst of scent in the room. Oh. So you can 
wake yourself up with the smell of coffee, bacon, uh, the forest, waves, grass, and then peanut they have ten other scents. <laughs> peanut butter, <laughs> rat scalnikov. <laughs> you know, I named him that because I'm a big fan of the Russians, just like Donald Trump. Hey, Don't go uh, there. <laughs> Well, anyway, back to the the uh, sensor awake. Um, each blast of scent, you get about thirty uses, and it's about five dollars for a cartridge. So, you know, I suppose it, it's going to uh, cost a little bit of money for this uh, radio alarm. So, is the, <laughs> but it's just me understand the point of this new device that you're so excited about. It's is it that the the scent itself is supposed to wake you up, or it's just that, you know, an alarm goes off, and then when you wake up, you're surrounded by a comforting aroma? No, no, it's supposed to be the scent itself is supposed to be so strong, it wakes you okay, up. Okay, people are going to be late for work with this <laughs> thing, right? This is not going <laughs> to... Well, I think people pointed this out to them because they also have this backup backup traditional alarm just in case the odor doesn't wake you up okay great so anyway if you're curious about the product you can go to their website uh, sensorwake.com to learn more Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes although i'm damned if i know why (laughs) incidentally if they just want to send me one of those (laughs) yeah i'd be happy to evaluate it (sighs) do do you do you think it would have any effect of trapping a rat (laughs) i just stick with the electric rat box i think uh, here's a story, hopefully a little more on point, but it's about a, another dangerous beauty product. So do you remember, uh, when the company that we worked for bought the St. Ives brand? When was that? Like oh, late nineties sure. oh, sure. or something? That was circa 1996. Okay. Well, at the time St. Ives, they had, they had shampoo and conditioner, actually, if you remember that. But, um, one of their most popular skincare products was, do you remember? The apricot scrub. Exactly, the facial scrub. In fact, I think it was the number one facial scrub in the country at, at one point. Well, it still might be. <laughs> uh, well, if it is, maybe not for long. It's back in the news, but not for a good reason. Uh, the current owner of the brand is being sued because the product is, and I quote, unfit to be sold or used as a facial scrub. So there's a class action lawsuit that argues that the particles in the scrub can cause uh, tears and abrasions in the skin. By the way, here's an interesting side note. Contrary to what you might think, the scrubbing particles in the apricot facial scrub are not apricot pieces at all, but actually walnut pieces. (laughs) And uh, the article mentions that a couple of dermatologists uh, say that this kind of product with, with these type of particles can be too abrasive. Now... Naturally, Unilever, who's the current owner of the brand, um, they say their products are completely safe. So so what's the truth? I think both sides are right to some extent. I mean, I've, I've personally used this product, and I know there are you know, hundreds of thousands of consumers who use it with no problem at all. But if you misuse it um, or you know abuse it somehow, you rub too hard, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get some skin abrasion. Um, right. That seems... You know, wait a... <laughs> just, just wait one moment, right. though. This product has been around for like 40 yeah, no, years. I know. They're I, just, I, just now, it's like, well, <laughs> now it's dangerous. 40 years ago. Right, I, I doubt oh if God. it's dramatically changed. Now with chunkier style walnut pieces, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, but I don't, you know what? I don't think this problem is going to go away either. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Unilever maybe adds some extra warning statements to their label. Um, I don't know. Now, yeah. I, but I'll tell you this, on an ironic side note, there is an ingredient that they could substitute for the walnut shells that would completely solve this problem. 
That would be what the uh, microsphere plastic. <laughs> plastic microbeads, which unfortunately are being banned worldwide. So there you go. Actually, they had a SKU that when when we were working with the brand, uh, they had a SKU that was the plastic. They did. Yeah, I don't know if that one's still around or not. But anyway, yeah. I. I, I don't think it, it certainly didn't work nearly as well, but ha, I don't know. I this just seems like a new trend in the beauty business where lawyers get class action lawsuits <laughs> to right. make money off of uh, brands. I I wonder who the next brand will be that gets a class action lawsuit against them. Maybe something like uh, what Noxzema or something uh, like. That. I don't know why you picked that out, but yes, well I'm sure we'll find just out. Just because it's we'll... <laughs> just because it's an iconic brand. Oh, I see. Right? I got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, when it does happen, we'll report on it here at the Beauty Brains Podcast. <laughs> we will. All right, Perry, let's get to all these cosmetic questions. Hi, this is Julia. I'm a makeup artist from the DMV area, and I have two questions. My first is, how does color adjusting makeup work? I've used a few products on different skin tones, and it doesn't seem to adjust colors and the second one is what are both of your favorite ingredients to use on your own skin well thanks for bringing this up julia you know color changing makeup has i don't think has ever come up on the podcast we've written about it a couple times i don't Certainly. i don't think i mean after 158 episodes i kind of lose track of every single thing we've talked about but i i don't think we've, we've covered this one so um you're gonna say something <laughs> no, I, I, I certainly don't remember. Maybe it was a cosmetic science news that, thing. Or yeah, that's possible. That's possible. But anyway, well, today we're going to cover it in a little more detail. So uh, I, I remember once on the website, someone asked, um, people have called self-adjusting makeup the mood ring of makeup, and they wanted to know if it actually adjusts with your mood. So I, I think that's a great way to rephrase Julia's question. So, Perry, what say you? Uh, well, you know, let's... Let's let's be honest here. I mean, this is this is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that it reads your mind and detects the mood you're having. Why? What's wrong with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, pseudo science beauty or something <laughs> like that. I mean, let's you know, the idea is great, but you know, this is just one of those amazing products that really doesn't exist, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, in fact, back in episode fifty-one. Over 100 episodes ago, we talked about 10 amazing beauty products that don't really exist, and Mood Ring Lipstick was one of those. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, you know, the notion that these products can change color with mood, that's a myth. But Mm -hmm. color-changing makeup, or self-adjusting makeup, as some people call it, it actually does change a little bit. A a teeny touch. Uh, (laughs) There's actually two ways these things can work. The fir- yeah, there's some actual chemistry. Yeah, here, yeah. Right? So, let's, so let's talk about that. The first way involves a color that changes with pH and solubility. And in fact, most of the products that we see that make these kind of claims use this approach. And the main ingredient that provides that effect is a colorant known as Red 27. Now that's a, a red dye, obviously, which is colorless when it's dissolved in a water-free base. But when it comes in, uh, comes in contact with moisture, That change in solubility and the change in pH causes the dye to go from colorless to bright pink. Yeah, better living through chemistry, (laughs) right? (laughs) Now, the product appears to change with your personal chemistry because, you know, the color change when it comes in contact with your moisture in your skin or even just the humidity in the air. Mm. And then the, the marketing people who are selling the products just 
say, oh, that's, they don't say it's the air or the right. moisture. They say, oh, that's your right. yeah, your personality. <laughs> it's where the, uh, it's where the sizzle comes yeah. in. With the, the, <laughs> the sauce isn't nearly as interesting, right? <laughs> so anyway, the Red 27, it can be used in powdered cosmetics, in waxy sticks, and in gel. So you find this in it's in a wide variety of products. Yeah, if it's like a, like a silicone gel, you wouldn't find this in a water-based gel or in any sort of conventional cream or lotion because the water that's in the product would automatically trigger the color change. So it's got to be something without water. Exactly. Now, we'll list a couple of examples in the show notes, including Smashbox Oglo Blush. I remember writing mm-hmm. about yep. that one years and yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, way back then. <laughs> the Stila Custom Color Brush and the Doo-Wop Personal Color Changing Lipstick. Okay, so the second way to make a product change color is to use pigments that are encapsulated. So in this case, the colorant is coated with a a waxy or a gel-like ingredient and suspended in typically an uncolored base or a lightly colored base. So when the product is rubbed into your skin, the friction breaks open those little encapsulations around the dye molecules, and that releases the color. The technology always reminded me of those old scratch and sniff Oh, yeah, very, (laughs) yeah. Instead of releasing fragrance, you're releasing dye. Exactly. So in with that technology, the product appears to change with your personal chemistry because the more you rub the color, the, the more color is released. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, it's pressure sensitive. The harder you rub, the redder it gets. Wait, that, right. that hey. actually sounds kind of dirty when I put it that way, but you, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It kind of does. Encapsulated colors work best in cream and powder-based products, although they they can be used in water-based lotions if you have the right kind of encapsulating agent. Some examples of products that use encapsulated colors include Wet n Wild Intuitive Blend Shade Adjusting Foundation, the Body Shop's All-in-One BB Cream, and Carmindi and Company's Diamond Fusion Powder. Very good. Um, I just want to mention quickly, we said there were two ways this works. There's a third way that you might put into the same category. It's different, but... These are the products that provide a, a natural tan glow. Um, sure, I, I mean, sure, they yeah. may, may use a different name. They're really just self-tanners, and they work using that ingredient dihydroxyacetone, or DHA. That reacts with the keratin protein in the upper layers of your skin, and it gives them that light sort of orange brown, uh, orangish-brown color. So again, that's a product that appears to change with your personal chemistry. Uh, because you use the low levels of that ingredient, and then over time, you know, every time you moisturize with one of these products, you get a little more color in your skin. Um, so I, I guess you could put this in the category of, of color changing, but it's it's a little bit different. Yeah, a lot, lot slower, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the old Molliard reaction. There you go. And it's not going to give you the blush colors of the reds and whatnot, but you can get a little bit of a, a yeah. tan color. Brown or orange, yeah, really. pretty much. <laughs> Depends on how it's formulated. Yeah. Finally, uh, here are a few tips if you're planning on using any self-adjusting makeup. If, if you're using the pressure-sensitive type, you, you may have to play around with it a bit to find out just how much you need and how much you need to rub in, in to match your particular skin tone, or at least to get as close as you possibly can. Yeah, these products claim you know it's a, it makes a perfect match. I mean, you get a little bit of control over the color uh, depending on how you apply it, but um, you know you may not get an exact match. Um, you should also keep in mind that you know color change doesn't have really much to do with your individual skin chemistry, but the color of your skin will have a significant effect on how the um, the color appears from the cosmetic. So, you know, as your skin color changes, either just with aging or if you were suddenly to get a you know a suntan or whatever, then the color from the cosmetics could look different. 
Now that's not much of an issue for the lip products that change color because the skin on your lips doesn't really change. It doesn't tan. So it's, it's, right. it's a little bit different from the skin on the rest of your body. So anyway, just keep that in mind. So Perry, what's the bottom line here on these color changing products? Well, while it's true that cosmetics can change color, the idea that they match your mood is clearly a myth. Now, if you find a product that gives you the color you like, then fine. Yeah. But don't be fooled into buying these products because you expect them to magically adjust to your specific skin tone. The color does change, but it's not nearly as uh, customized as you're led to. Exactly. So if you like it, fine. But again, don't spend a lot of money on these things just to get the so-called magic. Um, and by the way, the second part of Julia's question where she said, hey, uh, she'd like to know what kind of products or what ingredients we use ourselves. Uh, Julia, we're just a couple of dudes. We don't really, <laughs> we, we talk a good game, but we really just don't use these types of products. Yeah, although I did see there's a rise in male beauty vloggers. Oh. But, uh, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, that's, that's not us. I mean... <laughs> You want to know the truth? I use VO5 shampoo as a shampoo and body and laundry wash detergent and shaving cream. Too, and, <laughs> and, and laundry detergent. And as a rat cleanser when the need arises. All right. Exactly. Perry, we got another question. Um, I'll read this when it comes from Jessica. Jessica says, I heard an interview at NPR that said if you have lipstick and you drink something out of the glass, the lipstick interacts with the champagne and makes it go flat. Is that correct? Well, a very interesting question. You know, I'd never heard of this before, but we tracked down that interview, which was with a chemist by the name of Richard Zane, mm -hmm. who said that, quote, any greasy thing like chips, fries, or lipsticks will actually break up the bubbles, so we'll leaving too much soap in the glass, right? So... Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, at least it makes sense for the part of the liquid that actually touches the, your lips, right? So right. I, I don't think it's going to, like have a you know catalytic effect where it instantly spreads through the whole glass but the the piece you're taking into your mouth when that comes in contact uh with the lipstick i could see how that would um degas it um yeah. now if you just put on a fresh coat of lipstick and you leave a large smear of it on the inside of the glass you know then there may be enough left over to continue to break up the bubbles but in most cases, I don't, I don't think just having some lipstick touch a champagne or beer or soda or whatever, it's not going to make the complete uh, you know, volume of the liquid go flat. Yeah, I, I think this is a case where a scientist is uh, communicating a, something that's a scientific fact, but he hasn't really... He hasn't put it in full context. Done the yeah. yeah, doesn't do the experiment in real life, right? right? right. <laughs> now... There is some merit to this, though. The ingredients that are causing the problem are primarily the oils and the silicones in the lipstick, mm -hmm. right? Certainly, silicones are actually used as anti-foaming agents. So, oh, for sure. So if, if, if some of the silicone comes off and it forms a layer on the, the top of your glass of champagne, well, <laughs> that's, that's not going to be good for the bubbles, Yeah, right? I, I used to make uh, skin lotions, and sometimes the batch would get too frothed up, and they make special silicones you can put in just to release those gas bubbles. So it does make sense that this would happen. Exactly. Now, you can certainly avoid silicone-containing uh, lip products if you want to maximize your bubble experience with your <laughs> champagne or your... Uh, Prosecco is what I had last <laughs> night. <laughs> now, you could also look for lipsticks that have a higher wax content because these will tend not to be transferred onto the glass, so mm. they stay on your lips better. Yeah, makes sense. All right, I got the next one here. All right. um, 
Christopher asks, many shaving creams seem to use very high pHs. Some assert that alkaline shaving creams open up the cuticle of the hair, which makes the oils and conditioners either enter the strands more effectively and therefore making cutting them easier. This seems like a well-marketed excuse. (laughs) Is there any merit to the idea that opening the cuticle of the hair with a pH cream better accepts the conditioning agents and makes it easier to cut? If so, is it worth the high pH trade-off? Very thoughtful question, Christopher. Uh, You know, shaving creams traditionally are formulated from true soaps, which means just inherently they have a higher pH. And it is true that very high pH can swell the hair shaft, which would soften and weaken the hair. Um, It's not so much that it lets the conditioning agents inside, is that it just, it sort of loosens the bonds in the hair's proteins. In fact... Kind of degrades the hair. Yeah, exactly. And, And that's one of the tricks used in hair coloring products and to some degree relaxers. So that's the reason those products have such a high pH. So it's not really about opening the cuticle to let stuff in, but it's more about swelling the hair shaft. However, I've never seen any data showing that shaving creams work that way, you know, possibly because the pH isn't as high as the other products yeah. we mentioned, and it's it's not left on the hair or skin for very long, right? right? But, I mean, at least it's theoretically possible. Yeah, I guess you could find a high pH and a low pH shaving cream and do them side by side and see if you see a difference. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd be surprised if it made much of a difference. And this, um, this trade-off that Christopher mentioned you know, that's about uh, high pH soaps can deplete the natural acid mantle of your skin that, that protects your skin. So, you know, any slight improvement in the ease of hair cutting, is that worth the potential compromise of your skin barrier? I, I don't know. I guess that depends on how hard it is for you to shave. It's kind of a personal decision to make, but I, I suppose there is a bit of a trade-off involved. Right. It's, you know, it's going to be irritating to skin, I would think, you know. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, do you use shaving cream or do you, no, I'm sorry, you just use VO5 shampoo for that too? <laughs> exactly. I, I, are you serious? Or, or just water. Yeah, you just, or water. You should just shave with water? Yeah. What's wrong with Get you? in the shower, <laughs> the warm water. Oh, and, what? Well, the shower and a rock down by the river and that's how you shave? Like... <laughs> Look, I don't, know about, I don't know about you. I use shaving cream. It doesn't irritate my face. It's perfectly fine. You know, when I'm not shaving in the shower, I will use shaving cream. Okay. It's a perfectly fine product, but I found it's just more efficient for me to do as much in the shower as I can. <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> well, you know, washing, shaving, washing your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Never mind. All right. You know what I do want to do, though? Um, I do want to read some iTunes reviews. Uh, are you sure? Because this first one. <laughs> All right, let's just jump in and do these. Um, actually, we have two reviews from Australia this week, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's uh, nice. The first one comes to us from, from Osnook, who uh, gives us one star. Oh, ouch. And he or she uh, says the following. I've tried to like this podcast because I love science and skincare, but this is the epitome of mansplaining. I'm tired of the condescension and the sexual comments. I'm tired of hearing the hosts mocking comments about what their listeners might be watching on TV. The Bachelor? Really? I'm tired of their so-called humor and the snide remarks to put others down, including the other host. It could be so much better. Perry, you want to take this one? <laughs> Is this is this our show? 
Uh, apparently. I do remember you making uh, a remark about our audience watching The Bachelor, for what that's worth. Yeah, but I watched The Bachelor. <laughs> what's wrong with The Bachelor? I don't know. I, here, I, well, here's my take on this. I mean, look, yeah. I apologize if we offended anyone. That is certainly not our intent. What we're trying to do is to help you know women and men be smarter about shopping for beauty products. Now, yes, of course, we mock beauty companies who are trying to rip you off, but we're not trying to put our audience down. As far as, you know, me making fun of Perry is concerned, at least I assume that when it, in terms of making fun of the other host, as Osnick put it, um, uh, come on, we've worked together for, what, 20 years? I mean, look, Perry is one of my yeah. best friends, one of the most capable cosmetic chemists I know, so when I make fun of him, it's a joke. It's just part of the character. Yeah, I, I never take it personally, but maybe I should. I don't. <laughs> don't don't get all sensitive on me. So anyway, you know, call us out if we really are, do say something egregious. That's fair, but I, I'm just I'm not quite sure I completely understood Osnick's concerns. Yeah, I also think that term mansplaining is a little overused. I mean, if 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 we were women, could we mansplain? I, I don't know. we're we're, ju we're just men. Anything we say is what. <laughs> Well, again, we're not, we don't mean to be condescending to anybody. Right. No, I mean, yeah, no. We absolutely don't mean to be condescending, but, you know, we, we're we going to call out BS cosmetic marketing. Well, yeah, it, that's so. that's just Sorry. what we do. So, all right. So, anyway. And, yeah. and the thing is, if, if, uh, if, if our opinion about the science of a product and whether the marketing is BS hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not quite sure that was her, her point, but anyway. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, so let's... let's move on to our second Australian review. Well, here's another one from Australia. Smelliness says five stars. <laughs> As a science student, I quickly developed an interest in the chemistry of beauty products. Imagine my disappointment in trying to find podcasts to further my understanding. I found a vertible drought of science-focused cosmetic podcasts. Then, lo and behold, Beauty Brains popped up on my phone, and at last, I had scientifically-backed podcasts of my makeup dreams. Excellent. Ah, nice. Well, thank you, guys. So, uh, you know, whatever you think of the show, give us your kudos and brickbats. Leave a review on iTunes for us. We do appreciate yeah. it. So, Yeah. All right. Perry, we got time for one more question. Let's All do right, it. This one comes to us from Liz, and Liz says... After using a hair straightening treatment, I've heard that it's not only sulfates that one should avoid, but also, and perhaps more importantly, sodium chloride. Is it true that salt is the so-called kryptonite of these treatments? <laughs> now, <What>? we, <laughs> yeah, we decided to answer this question because A, we think it would be of great value to our audience, and B, because Liz made a Superman reference. That's, that's an easy way to get on the show. Just do something about comic books and we love that. Love comic books. But we've never seen any evidence that the level of salt that one would encounter during normal shampooing would have any impact whatsoever on the longevity of your hair straightening treatments. And I can't even think of a plausible mechanism for that effect. Could you? No, not really. Now, of course, it depends on what kind of straightening treatment you're talking about. Some straighteners do actually modify the chemical bonds in hair. I, I can't think of any way that those would be affected by quick contact with salt. Exactly. Uh, but other products straighten the hair very temporarily just by coating the hair with a, a silicone or some other polymer. Now, that will be reversed by a, a salt-containing shampoo, 
But any shampoo will reverse that effect. It, it has nothing to do with the salt. It's just the fact that that coating would wash off. So personally, I think the whole salt is bad for your hair thing is highly exaggerated. Right. Now, I can see how people would think this, though. Uh, they've seen their hair damaged by swimming in the ocean, so mm. they assume, you know, it's the salt water is bad for the hair. Yeah. But being in the ocean or, or even a pool, right, exposes you to multiple sources of danger, uh, of damage. I mean, uh, extra yeah. UV radiation, multiple wet and dry cycles of your hair, the, the chlorine, uh, you know, just the hair moving around right. a butt and yeah. getting more tangled up. You know, the exposure to the salt water is it's, it's also a lot uh, more significant uh, when you're in the ocean. So oh, I can see yeah. how this people, they would get this impression. Yeah, in. yeah. But there's a huge difference between that salt exposure and the other damages you just mentioned that you would get from being in the ocean or the pool and simply washing and conditioning your hair. You know, that's, I mean, that's a huge difference. Um, you know, and besides... Even if you said, well, I want to avoid sodium chloride in my shampoo, just about every shampoo is going to have some salt in it anyway, even if it's not listed on the label. And that's because, you know, sodium chloride can be added as an ingredient because it thickens shampoo systems. But exactly. it's also a byproduct in the production of surfactants. So it's in there as a byproduct. It's not going to be listed on the label. I mean, you're not really going to be able to get away from salt in shampoo very easily, even if it did cause a problem, which I don't think it does. Actually, you know, I remember doing some experiments in the lab with uh, shampoos with a really high level of salt. And you know what they actually do do? What's that? It They'll strip less color out of the hair. Oh, because so you're like, um, it's like you an osmotic the, effect or something? No, I, I we couldn't really figure out why it was working, but I, I think it had to do something with uh, uh, the ions would sort of reduce the amount that the water would be able to pull out of hmm. the hair so interesting we never move forward with the, with the technology but i thought that was an interesting yeah, thing very much so but the bottom line liz uh you really shouldn't worry too much about salt or even kryptonite in your shampoos <laughs> excellent long it's been uh, way too long since we've had a superhero reference on this show so thanks for liz for letting us do that in, indeed and it looks like that brings us to the end of another show yeah, uh-oh, what's going on outside? Well, I see the pigeons are back, and if a pigeon is back, that means Ratskalnikov has, has, has left, because it turns out pigeons and rats are not friends. And that's been another episode of o Mutual of Omaha's <laughs> Wild Kingdom. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, so good to chat with you again, Randy. I'm, I'm glad we're getting the Beauty Brains podcast revving up again. We are. So uh, we'll be back again next month. Remember now, we've gone to a monthly schedule. So hopefully uh, everybody's on track with that. Yeah, and if you have any questions, feel free to send us an email uh, at thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And if it makes the show, it makes the show. Oh, it's time to go home. All right, Perry, let's say goodbye. And until next month, everybody, remember, be brainy about your beauty. Oh